to Happily Ever After is Real, interviews and conversations with women, created to share wisdom, strength, joy, and inspiration for finding true love in a busy and constantly changing world. Happily Ever After is Real is a Be More You production. You can follow us on Facebook or visit us online at bemoreyou.co. I'm Tricia Bennett. On behalf of myself and all of our guests, welcome and enjoy. I'd like everyone to know that my guest host today is Nancy Hunt. Thanks for being here, Nancy. Welcome, Megan Smith-Gill, to our podcast today. And as usual, we're going to dive into your love story and find out about who you are and your marriage and how you got to where you are. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really, really honored to to be on such a special show. You know, my story might be a bit different from other other women that you've had on. I'm 42 years old. I, in fact, I just turned 42 a couple of weeks ago. Happy um, birthday! I, Happy birthday! Thank you. <laughs> and I have two beautiful daughters, ages 12 and five, and. I am happily married uh, to my current husband, Michael, uh, for the past seven years. And so you might think, stop and think, well, you're, you know, my oldest daughter is 12, but I've only been married to Michael for seven years. And that's because my first marriage ended in divorce when my oldest daughter, Molly, was two years old. Hmm. And, you know, much of that was because for my whole life, all I knew was how to hustle. You know, I always felt like I had something to prove. And I think so many of us feel this way. And for me, it was the result of being bullied in middle school. And so I always had a chip on my shoulder. And I thought that the only way to regain my self-worth and sense of self-confidence was to acquire outward material successes, right? The job titles, the big house, the fancy car. And every time I accomplished one of those things, I thought that that would finally be the answer I was looking for. But the satisfaction that comes from those outward successes is fleeting, unbeknownst to me at the time. And so I always put my career ahead of my, ahead of my family, and that is ultimately what cost me my first marriage. Yeah, and I think you're right. For whatever reason, whether it's like you said in your particular instance that it was being bullied that got you to a place where you thought you constantly had to be proving yourself, Mm. I think that women in general Mm -hmm. these days often feel like we have to be proving ourselves. Without There's something about just being who we are that isn't enough. Absolutely, absolutely. And so whether it's bullying or something else that has led women to believe that, what I have found working with women now is that that is absolutely true, and that's a point that everyone can relate to, even though the cause of that is different from from, woman to woman. So that was what cost you your first marriage. What are some of the warning signs, or what are some of the things that came up for you? How did it get your attention? other than just that the marriage ended, but there had to be sort of red flags that would pop up for you that you ignored. Well, you know what? So I continued on that way for many more years. And what happened was I I did meet my second husband uh, during that time, even when I was still a major workaholic. And the thing is with my current husband, Michael, is that we worked in the same place. And so we understood each other's roles and responsibilities, 
versus me just being the workaholic wife and mom who was never home, we were able to see each other's roles and have a mutual respect for one another. That being said, what I was still doing was still trying to prove myself and still trying to climb to the top of this mountain where I was sure dreams were made. But each time I got to, I got to a peak, right, I, I felt like I was standing there empty and alone. And so many of us think that if we can just reach that next milestone, if we can just get that next promotion, we're, you know, we're going to feel that sense of accomplishment and everything will be well. And it yeah. wasn't. And I will tell yeah. you, for many years, that was the way that I operated until one very specific, you asked me what changed that. Mm. And I will tell you, it was a definitive moment in my life when we, Michael and I have a, a daughter, my younger daughter, Maisie, and who's five years old now. And two years ago, when Maisie was three years old, she went to preschool and she came home and it was in May and it was around Mother's Day. And in her sweet little three-year-old voice, she said, Mommy, I have a card for you. And I opened up her backpack and there was this laminated poster that the teachers had helped each of the kids create. And it's one of those fill in the blanks about your mom. And so the first few questions are so funny. My mom is blank years old. And I'm, I think that Maisie put my mom is 14 years old, you know. <laughs> my mom is 12 feet tall. And, and so you're giggling your way through this, this heartfelt Mother's Day gift from your three-year-old child. And then I got to a question that said, my mommy's job is to blank. And you know what she filled in? She said, my mommy's job is to sleep at work. And what she didn't mean was sleeping at my desk. What she meant was mommy traveled so much that she was never home. Mm -hmm. And so in this three-year-old's mind, my job was to be away from her. That was what my, my responsibility was. It wasn't to her. It was to be away from her. Mm. And at that moment, I felt like I had been stabbed in the stomach. I had to excuse myself and come to my room. And I fell to my knees. And I, I began sobbing. And I looked at myself in the mirror and thought, something has to change. And it was at that moment that not only did I know something had to change, but that was the moment that I knew I had to lift the veil from my face because I had been trying to be something I wasn't for so long, mm. again, to try to prove my worth because of that horrific bullying experience. I was afraid to look in the mirror and admit and see myself for who I was. And I knew at that moment that not only something had to change, but that I had to change mm. as well. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the, the pivotal point in my life where my life took on a completely new direction and has led me to where I am today, which is a com completely different situation than I had previously. And, you know, we can, I don't know if you want me to speak about that now or you want to, you know, ask me a few other questions, but the life I have now compared to the life I had just a few years ago is like night and day. Mm. And it's because of that experience that it happened. So this was just a couple of years ago. And at this point, remember, I said I kept trying to climb to all of these different peaks. Yeah. So when Mike, Mike and I were working in the same place, I became the chief marketing officer for this company. 
and he was the general manager. And after maybe about eight or eight or so years there, there was nowhere else for me to climb. And so just being that overworked, type A driven woman who thought she had something to prove, I did the next logical thing was I went out and started my own marketing agency. <laughs> you know, once there's nowhere else to climb, you sort of just keep making things. You just keep yeah, making you your build own your own right? mountain. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I thought, okay, this is going to be the answer that I was looking for. So at that time, Mike was still in his role at that company, but I had gone on to found my own marketing company. And so when I had that moment with, with my three-year-old daughter, Maisie, he was still working in corporate. I was working in my agency, but I was traveling every single week all over the country and sometimes internationally. And so when we had that moment and I knew something had to change, I was so blessed to have a partner like Michael by my side, and I still am, because we were able to look at this together. This wasn't just a Megan thing, and it wasn't just Megan as a mother. This was a, this was a lifestyle, right? This was a this was a lifestyle that we either could create or keep, keep, you know, keep the lifestyle that we had or we could do something about it together for the benefit of our family. And that was when Mike and I really sat down and I started to discuss my feelings with him and we started to discuss the type of parents we were and what we wanted for our children that we started to make some significant changes in our life. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you now that we are so blessed that we are partners in business and in life. And so over the past two years, I started a new business, even though the marketing agency still exists. I have a new business and a new passion and a new purpose in my life, which I've discovered, which I, I never knew I had before. And each of us has, has a purpose, but so many of us go through life not knowing what that is. And so this experience led me to discovering my purpose. But Mike has left corporate and works with me. And so We both work from home in our various businesses, which is a gift. And I understand not everyone can do that, but that was something important to us. And so we made sure we figured out how to do that. We had a live-in nanny with us for many years. uh, And she basically raised our children while we were in work. And when this moment happened, that was another change we wanted to make. I, I joke because I say, you know, we did something really crazy we decided to raise our children ourselves. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, and, I love so, that line. Yeah. And, and so, so... We just went nuts a- one day and decided to raise our own kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Imagine that. Like, you yeah. know, we did something crazy. We're, we're parenting them together. Um, yeah. But so it's, that has led to a full awakening, not only for myself, but for our family. And now what's really exciting is, is that I see Mike being able to start diving into what his purpose is too. And so it's really neat to watch the metamorphosis in him as well and the impact that it's having on our family. Mm. It's so fun to hear. It's amazing how when you find the right partner, I've been saying a lot lately that the right partner gives you wings. Oh, perfect. And what you just said about not only is he on board with who you are and what you want to do with your life, but you're on board with who he is and what he wants to do with his life, and you're both lifting each other up and moving each other forward. Yeah, perfectly said. I have goosebumps just listening to you say that, but that is absolutely true and 100% accurate, and it's really a miracle to, to witness it firsthand, not only in myself but in Michael as well. 
And it's almost like that's the difference between being single and striving and being together in partnership is that when you're single, you're just like this solitary soldier who's in accomplishment mode, wondering Mm -hmm. when you're ever going to get to that place where you actually feel accomplished. Right. And what what I love that you said is that you, the two of you got together and you decided together how you wanted to raise your children and what you wanted it to feel like to be in your family. Yeah, and what we wanted that life to look like. And really, you said something just now, a couple things jumped in my mind, but you said women often try to be accomplished. And that was me, whether I was married or single, for many years, right? I And, and this is something that I say and I recognize now. I spent nearly my whole life trying to be accomplished until mm-hmm. that moment that I decided to be free. Mm-hmm. And that's the pivotal change. You know, and then you, you also mentioned that, you know, single women tend to be that lone soldier and they're, they're forging ahead trying to just be accomplished. And I have seen that with some single women that I know, and that is absolutely true. But, you know, I've even seen it with some married women who are in a less than satisfactory marriage and they're forging ahead again as sort of their comfort blanket, as a way to self-soothe themselves because they're not being soothed at home. Right. Now, when when you were at that point of discussing with Michael, when you were at that point in bringing him, like, the card from your daughter, was was he on board at that moment? Was it, was it also a growth moment for him where he got the glasses on and he was able to step back and say, whoa, was it something you were doing together in the, in the shift? Was he driven and focused much like yourself or, you know, were you both stopped and, and this gift that your daughter gave you, like, really pivoted? And did it also at that moment change your relationship? Or was your marriage already really wonderful? Or did that growth, that gift that came at that time, really spiral into both your parenting being, it sounds as joyful as whatever your transition came about, did it also enhance your marriage? Yes, absolutely. So I would have said that we had a we had a very solid marriage before this. It's always been one of mutual respect and a lot of passion for each other. But with me traveling and being gone all the time, how much can the relationship really be nurtured, right? And so when I say it was solid, it's nowhere what it is now because we devote so much more time to one another. But I but I was blinded by that at first. And so I think your question is a good one because When women especially reach a point in their lives that makes them feel as vulnerable as that moment made me feel when I got that Mother's Day card, I was scared. I was actually terrified because I didn't know where this was going to lead me, and I didn't know what I was going to see when I lifted the veil. Mm -hmm. So in the very beginning when this was very raw, Mike knew that it had impacted me, but I didn't let him in. I didn't know where I was going, so I couldn't even share with him the bigger picture <laughs> because mm-hmm. I had to do some soul searching. I had to look inward for the first time rather than always looking outward, which is the way that I had lived my life. And so 
a couple of beautiful miracles occurred when I allowed myself to quiet the voice of my ego and allow my soul to speak. I went on a self-discovery process, and through that process, I created a um, a 10-step process for myself, which I began practicing every day. And the process is actually the name of a book that I've written, but I started to practice this process every day. And in a very short amount of time, Michael asked me what had happened. He said, there has been a significant change in you. You seem lighter and brighter, and you have this aura about you. Tell me, like, what is going on here? And I thought, you know what? I'm feeling that on the inside. I didn't realize it was so noticeable on the outside. So I started to share this with him, and then he started practicing this. And that was when I noticed the transition in him. And we looked at each other, and we thought, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, okay, there's something to this. We've got to bring this to the world. And that's when I discovered my dharma and then brought him, you know, he was now fully involved in the process and helping support me in this new direction. So to answer your question, he was certainly a, a, a cornerstone in this from very early on, but not immediately because I needed, I needed to do some soul searching and I needed to kind of figure out where I was going and what, what I was doing because I had no idea where this was going to lead me. Hmm. I get it. From the point when you were sharing about the card, like I could have been crying. I, I completely uh-huh. feel that transition point for you and got it. It was a wake-up call. I, I call it divine intervention now. It doesn't matter what you call the divine, right? The universal spirit, God, mm-hmm. there's so many, whatever what someone calls it, but it was that moment where I, I, I say to, to the women I work with and to my girlfriends, I say it felt like I had been hit over the head with a two by four and I heard mm-hmm. my inner voice screaming, wake up sister before it's too late. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I took that call seriously and I paid attention to it. And then I think that, you know, that's some, something else to think about. Many people get signs and signals about what, where they're supposed to go and what they're supposed to do, but often our voice of the ego is too, and I mean ego as in self, as in separate from everyone else, is too strong as external, right? It's too strong that we can't hear our inner voices speak, speaking to us. But that voice is speaking to us. So once we learn how to quiet the voice of the ego, we can hear the voice of our internal guide and our internal intuition and spirit and follow that. And so what's important for, for this conversation is that that voice often leads you in the direction you're supposed to go and be it professionally or to the right person in a relationship. How many of us have ever, myself included, I would ask you both and as well as your listeners, how many of us have ever tried to force a relationship, Right. That we've like mm-hmm. put that square peg in a round hole and we are pushing until it goes in, right? We're not right. taking no for an answer. We're just yeah. going to keep shoving that in. And and so once we step back from that and surrender, I call it surrender. So we quiet right. the voice of the ego. We We visualize the way we want our life to be. We let go and we surrender and then we pay attention to our, our intuition, and we follow those steps, and miraculously, we're led in the right direction. Hmm. I completely understand. Now, backing up, because I know this was before this big shift, 
just to go back to the marriage itself, when you met Michael, when -hmm. you first met him, how did you know he was the one when you were in the dating process? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm going to say something that is probably a little annoying. (laughs) And it was something that I didn't really like to hear when other women would say this. Uh, But in my instance, I had never experienced love at first sight, but it was. It absolutely was. There was this magnetic attraction between the two of us in an instant that we just knew we would be together forever. So we didn't have a courtship where there were some dates and then we did a little, you know, it, it was not a long courtship. It was a very sort of instantaneous love connection, if you will. And again, had I ever heard someone say this in my past, oh, it was love at first sight, I would have poo-pooed that and said, they're crazy, there's no such thing, they're just making that up, it's wishful thinking. Now I've experienced it, so I'm saying it actually does happen. Now it doesn't happen for everyone, it doesn't need to happen that way to have a lovely, wonderful, blissful marriage, but because you asked specifically how I knew, in my instance, that, that is in fact what happened. So you were just at work and you knew it in the work environment or you dated and, and realized? You know what? We, um, I hadn't met him before, even though we worked for the same company. I, we had a mutual friend, believe it or not, who uh, I went to grab a coffee with us and she happened to see him there. He was sitting at a booth and she said, oh, that's my friend Mike. Um, let's go say hi to him. And I was thinking nothing of it. Like I'm just fiddling with my coffee, you know, trying to put my whatever I was putting in. And so we walk over and I remember looking up and my eyes locked with his and I thought, oh my gosh, (laughs) what just happened? And really there was no going back. Wow. I completely understand. So what do you think you needed to know about yourself, about yourself, to trust about yourself that you could choose him as your husband and then commit to him? Um, gosh, that's a hard question. I, I, you know, I've always been a very giving person. I just haven't always had a lot of time to give, if that makes sense. Haven't I always will love to give and serve and, um, both of us are extraordinarily thoughtful people. Um, I think Michael is, epitomizes the word thoughtful. We are both considerate and compassionate. And so he brought out those qualities in me. Uh, that probably were dormant for quite some time. And I was able to reconnect to those qualities because I cared so much about him that I wanted to bring those to him as a gift in a way that I, I really hadn't before because they had been just dormant within me because of my workaholic, overstressed, hustling lifestyle, really. So inspired that in you. He inspired your nurturing side. He did, yeah. Like I said, it, it, they, those, those qualities were inside of me. They were just, they had just been buried under a pile of rubbish. So he brought those out in me in a way that they hadn't, I hadn't recognized them in quite some time and was blind to the fact that they were being buried. Those of us who are often in that overstressed lifestyle, we 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 make excuses, you know. We we think we're we're all of those things, but we're really not, because we're putting 
hours before t- before meaningful time with those that we love. And so, yeah. yes, he, he brought those out, and I wasn't blind to the fact that they were even buried at that point. But when they come out, boy, you really reconnect with those with those values and with those beliefs and with, with those characteristics of yourself. And it is amazing because what you see in your spouse or in your partner come, is reflected back to you, right? And so those qualities were, were beaming out of Michael, which brought them out of me. And then when, the, when you know, it's sort of like they're reflecting off of one another and now they're even more powerful than, than if we were, uh, you know, individuals. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're sort of magnified because they're present in both of us. It's really interesting. It's like you you each woke up the caregiver inside of you. Very much so. Very much you know, so, yeah. You each woke up the part of you that wanted to to nurture somebody. Absolutely. And it's and made I wonder, me not only a better partner but a better parent. Yeah, that's great. It's it's amazing the things that we sort of trigger in each other that make a relationship last, that solidify yes. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, you know, we don't always know what those will be, but they no. they come they come out, you know, and yep. you recognize them and you appreciate them, and you know, I think nurture is a very good word because. Not only do you have to nurture your partner, you have to nurture yourself. And so many of us forget about that. You know, we put ourselves last. Um, And if you are a parent, of course, you have to nurture your children. So that word is a really, I think it's a pivotal one. It's a really, it's a critical one because it is the bond that holds the, the family unit together, be it a husband and a wife or whatever the relationship is, if there are partners or, or spouses, nurture is at the nucleus of that family relationship. Mm. So what role have women friends played in your marriage before and now? Did you have women in your life before that were supporting you and do you now? Or was that not really a part of your journey? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I have been very, very fortunate to be surrounded by an incredible group of women who have been my best friends since high school, um, mm-hmm. including other friends that I've met along the way. And I will say that really, for the most part, most of them are married. Most of them have very strong uh, marriages. Mm-hmm. And and so we were, have always been supportive of of one another. In fact, I'm the only one out of our friends group that is divorced. I have been very fortunate to be surrounded by not only amazing friends, but amazing friends in these great marriages that have now become, you know, Mike and I are with these other partners, these other couples, and we all get along and have really good times together. But but I will say that there's one girlfriend who who is still single, and it, it is difficult because um, when we do group things and it's all of the husbands and the wives she's a dear friend of ours but there are often times that she won't participate in the event because she she feels you know like the like the standalone wheel if you will yeah yeah so i agree with you wholeheartedly about being clear 
for women to be clear about what they want. There are some women who are really clear that they want to be married, and there are some women who are not clear about it. And there are some women who are clear that they absolutely do not want to be married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it is really important for people to decide not based on any kind of external pressure. Exactly. You know, so some you know your listeners don't have to try to figure that out on their own. There are plenty of guides and workshops and tapes and seminars and books that that can teach them how to do that, mm-hmm. and then so that they can allow that clarity to come forth. Because, like I said, I think so often the clarity gets gets cloudy because right. we can't see through the the mud that we have you know <laughs> added into our lives uh, yeah. that sort of cloud everything up. The other thing is, I would say. When someone decides what it is they want, when they get that clarity around what they want, I think that the three most important things for them to manifest their desires really is to visualize themselves in that future place. What Mm -hmm. do they want very, very clearly with vivid details? What do they want that future to look like? And they don't have to picture it. So say if it is a marriage and a family they don't have to picture the the man's face, right? That's getting a little bit too specific. specific. Yeah, the universe works in other ways, but envisioning themselves in a loving, healthy relationship, you know, with or without kids, and what are some of those experiences and allowing their senses to really come in, so using all five of their senses to feel what it feels like to be in that relationship and hear what the sounds would be and feel that partner's touch or hug or kiss and to really allow themselves to get into that character every day. That is a real powerful tool. But then the next step is to live a life now of gratitude, right? So, so many people think about what they want in the future that they forget to be grateful for all they have now. And one of my Mm -hmm. favorite things is the more you are grateful for what you have, the more you will have to be grateful for. So Mm -hmm. when I say visualize, visualize what you want, but be grateful for all you have now. And I even say start being grateful for that future that, that you have begun to imagine. Um, so rather than it being in future tense, just start being grateful for that, for knowing that that relationship will come. And mm-hmm. it's not on your watch or your time. There's a you know powerful force bigger than all of us who who will bring that to you when the time is right. But if you're grateful for all you have now and grateful for what you know is coming, more likely to come your way. And then finally, you, you just have to surrender. Again, we can't try to keep pushing the square peg in a round hole. At some point, we need to surrender and allow the magic to unfold. Wow. I mean, that feels like it was the the last question was, what's your best advice for keeping a woman's dreams alive? And that sounds like you just said it. The visualize in detail, live a life of gratitude now, and surrender to the timing of the universe. Absolutely. Allow the, you know, just surrender and be patient. Absolutely, and you'll find that things will happen quicker when you use those three steps. It's mm, great. So now that we know who you are in your marriage, tell us who you are in the world. Awesome, thank you. Yes, so so my journey has led me to discovering my true purpose in life, and as I mentioned, through that discovery process, I ended up creating this 10-step process. I didn't have any intention of sharing the process with the world when I created it. It was really for myself. 
And then, as I mentioned, Michael started to see the changes in me, so I started to teach it to him. I started to see the changes in him. And then even at that time, I still just started to share it with close friends and family. And it was at that moment when I saw the true transformation in those around me that I knew I had to bring this process to the world. So what I am blessed to be able to do every day is I get to teach women how to become the best versions of themselves they can be and how they can have, do, or be anything they want in order to create lives bigger and better than they ever imagined. And the best part is it's without the hustle, without being overworked, and without the stress that we all think that we need to put in to get anything meaningful out. And so I help people break through that barrier and become all they were meant to be And, you know, I was able to package that 10-step process, which was pretty, you know, looking back, it's amazing. (laughs) When I'm sure you both have had these experiences, but you look back and you think, oh, my gosh, how did that happen that way? And, of course, it's, it's you know, something more powerful that's designing that that we're not even aware of sometimes. But so I named my book Give a Shift uh, because I think in order to – change, we really do need to give a shift. We need to give a four-letter shift, and we need to give the five-letter shift, meaning we Mm -hmm. have to allow ourselves to break old belief patterns and shift into a new way of thinking in order to become all we were meant to be. And in order to do that, you really kind of have to give a you-know-what, because it's a pretty big deal. And so the name of my book is Give a Shift, 10 Simple Steps to an Abundant Life. And when I began writing the book and looking at my steps, it was very, you know, talk about being in flow with the universe. Each of the letters in Give a Shift stood for a step in my process. So there are 10, 10 letters in Give a Shift and 10, they match up to each of my 10, 10 steps in my process. Do you want to say anything about how people can reach you? People can find out more about me and my story and how I might be able to help them and work with them at Megan. Smith Gill, that's M-E-G-A-N, Smith, S-M-I-T-H, Gill, G-I-L-L, dot com. And they can also grab a copy of my book, totally free. All I ask is that they pay for shipping and handling, and they can get their own copy of Give a Shift sent right to them if they go to megansmithgill.com forward slash free book. Wow, that's easy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That is wonderful. Is there anything else that you want to add? Anything else that you want to offer to single women who are still looking for the love of their life? I, you know, I think that it all starts with loving yourself and really being true and authentic to who you are. I would ask your your listeners to really give that a long, hard look and allow themselves to be vulnerable, just as I had to be, which is a very scary thing, especially for those of us that that have, quote, quote, been in control our whole lives, right? <laughs> We've been the leaders. We've controlled every situation, and so we're going to control this, too. And, and in order to allow things to happen, you really have to quiet everything down, and so you have to be vulnerable. And that begins with learning to love yourself. That's one of my steps in my process. Love really is the most powerful thing in the universe, but you can't love other people until you truly love yourself. Um, And so, and you have to be true to who you are, right? That's part of that process. So I think that my advice would be to look inward before you start looking outward. Mm, 
That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure, and um, hopefully your your listeners got some value. I, I'm sure that they did. Thank you so much, ladies. This was such a pleasure. You're welcome. I agree. <laughs> Look forward to talking to you again in the future. Yeah, you bet. Anytime. I'll be Okay, there. great. <laughs> Take Terrific. care. Good luck Thanks. with everything. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye. Bye now. Well, that's it for this episode. Wherever you are at this moment, we hope that you can feel your own unique, happily ever after taking shape. If you're a single woman looking for love, we invite you to attend our powerful two-day relationship workshop for women, designed to help you embrace the amazing woman that you are and empower you to find the love of your life. If you or someone you know has a special love story to share, we'd love to hear it and share it. Please message us on Facebook or contact us online at bemoreyou.co. Until next time, I'm Trisha Bennett. From all of us at Happily Ever After is Real, thank you for listening, and we wish you love.